Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. We have two readings today. The first reading continues our uh, series on Jesus in the desert. And it's from Matthew 4, chapter 11. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. And our second reading is from Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, everyone. How are y'all? My name is Brittany. I'm the pastor here. And um, it is so good to have you on this um, beautiful day. And the lights are so dark up here. Is there any way to... Good, that's awesome. Now I can read what I wrote. Uh, Friends, I first of all want to thank Pete for his testimony. I think that the Holy Spirit works in really beautiful ways. And uh, we have been talking about wilderness over these weeks of Lent. And today we are talking about how not only is God with us in the midst of our wilderness, which Pete spoke about so well, um, but also community shows up which he spoke about so well. And so I think that is a gift of the Holy Spirit that um, as Pete was reflecting on his testimony, um, somehow his testimony is, it's the sermon. So uh, I almost feel like I should sit down, but I'm not going to because I worked hard on this. (laughs) Uh, So let us pray. Holy and gracious God, for the gift of community, 
for brothers and sisters that are sitting next to us whose names we do not yet know. Thank you. May we feel bound together by your love and catch a vision of who we can be as your people. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be open and yearning to live out your words and your will. Amen. So our psalm today is a favorite among those who need to know God's love and presence. It is a psalm about God's provision and care. The writer speaks with confidence, utter confidence and trust that God will provide, that God is a source of security and strength, that it is in God we can find refuge. The images in this psalm are so vivid that um, it evokes a variety of emotions. And scholars even think they, they actually don't know how to categorize this psalm. What I mean by that is, um, for many of us, we feel like the book of Psalms is just that center point in the Bible um, that's poetry. But, um, but in reality, Psalms are, are a, used for a variety of things. So. A psalm could be something that was read in ancient times to prepare for battle. Another psalm might be a psalm of lament over the loss of, of something. Another psalm might be used uh, in purification ritual. Another psalm might be read by a new convert to the faith as a profession of faith. So psalms were used for a variety of, of ways. They weren't just this book of poetry. And this psalm, Psalm 91, Scholars just have this big debate going on about what it was used for. Some say, yes, it was used to prepare for battle. Others say, no, no, it was read by new converts. Um, they, so they're debating and disagreeing. And I think what that tells us, I'm not going to tell you the definitive answer. I actually don't really care. Um, <laughs> the truth, right? But what I do care about is that, that this psalm uh, creates such emotion and such connection, and I think it's because it speaks a truth that we all um, are met in. This psalm, um, regardless of how it was used in ancient times, can speak to us in the very places of wilderness in our life, whether it is the loss of a, a friendship that we might have had. You can read this psalm and be comforted in that. If you have a conflict at work, you can read this song and find comfort in it. If you are overwhelmed by the violence in our city, you can read this psalm and find comfort in it. If you are living with chronic depression, you can read this psalm and find comfort in it. You are my God, the one I trust, this psalm says. There is no circumstance in our life, there is no circumstance that can arise in anything we encounter where the answer is, is that God is protecting us, right? That is, that is a constant that is always there, and we see in this psalm. It reminds me of uh, Isaiah 43. Uh, um, uh, God will make a way through the wilderness in your life. So as we've been talking about wilderness, this psalm stands steadfast, saying wherever you are, in whatever sort of wilderness you're experiencing, God is there. God is there. That's super powerful. So the first point today is God is there meeting you, meeting you. Uh, but I have to say 
that um, this psalm, like sometimes too much of a good thing, uh, people can kind of warp and shape into something different. And what has happened with this psalm sometimes is that it has been used as a lucky amulet. Like people hold it and like, well, if if I have this psalm and so God is gonna gonna protect me, and we sort of hold it out like it's um, garlic or something, and we're warding off vampires. Um, and and we use the lines like, um, well, and and even the devil in this scripture passage that we've been reading in Matthew in Matthew four, even the devil tries to use this psalm as a lucky charm on Jesus. He says, "If you're really the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written." i.e. in the Psalm 91, if you are the son of God, God throw yourself down, or I'm sorry, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. So do you see how people can use this psalm as like a lucky charm or an amulet? But Jesus responds back and answers, no, that's not the kind of protection or promise that this psalm is offering. It's not a magical guarantee against a threat or difficulty or danger. It is simply a reminder that, to use another scripture, there is nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Right? That's what this psalm reminds us. That there is nothing we can do, no place we can go, that we are separated from God. So, we see that over and over in this language, in, uh, in the Hebrew word love, in the Hebrew word um, to know, it, it's about intimacy with God, that, that God desires true intimacy with us. So this is a great thing. And sometimes we need more. Like Pete said in his testimony, he felt God's presence and he wished he had a community to hold that in. It reminds me of a story that I heard on a podcast recently about a little boy who was scared in the middle of the night because of a thunderstorm. And so he ran into his parents' room, and he said, you know, I'm scared. And uh, the mom got out of bed and walked walked him back to his uh, room and said, don't be afraid, you're okay, God is always with you. And then um, the little boy stayed there, tucked in, and about five minutes later, he got scared again, and so he ran into his, his parents' room. They said, I'm afraid, and the mom, bless her heart, got out of bed again, walked her, walked her son back to his bedroom and said, don't be afraid, you're okay, God is always with you. So a third time, uh, the little boy got scared and ran into the room, and a third time, the mom walked back and said, don't be afraid, God is with you, uh, God is always with you. So a fourth time, the little boy feels afraid, and he goes to his parents' bedroom, and he says, I know that God is with me, but right now I just really need someone with skin on. Right? Sometimes we just really need to be around someone with skin on. We know God is with us. God is the ultimate source of our refuge and strength, and sometimes we need someone with skin It's a powerful idea. And so we get to be that community. We get to be the body of Christ that is skin in the world. We get to be angels that care for other people in this community in the midst of their wilderness. We get to be and live into this idea that we are stronger together. 
And I don't mean that as a political statement. I mean that as a theological statement. That when one of us suffers, all of us suffer. When one of us feels joy, all of us feel joy. That when one of us is in the wilderness, we can see that and respond like angels to lift each other up. And, and it doesn't matter if we have different theologies or different political stances or, or um, different identities. That's not what separates us. Those, those things can separate us, but what holds us together is that we are the body of Christ. We are a Christian community. We are Jesus' representation, Jesus' bodily reputation, re- representation in this world when we meet each other's needs. It's pretty powerful stuff. It reminds me of another story I heard several years ago that, if I'm going to be truly honest with you, has been haunting me. It's a story about Jasmine and Sue. Jasmine and Sue actually met in a church in New York City, and they um, immediately became friends, particularly because they um, had a commonality in seeing how their faith fueled um, their advocacy work. And so they did all the things together that friends do. Um, who are young and living in a city and believing strongly in causes. Well, uh, uh, after a while, uh, Jasmine had a son, and she decided to move um, back toward to Louisiana to be closer to her family. And so a couple years later, Sue decides to go visit Jasmine in her new, um, in her new place. And she was particularly excited to see the church that Jasmine had joined and was a part of because Jasmine had raved about it. Um, So when they got there, the church was not at all what Sue expected. It was clear that they only allowed men in leadership in this church, which was uh, kind of appalling to Sue because the church that they had been part of had a firm tradition of ordaining women in ministry. It was clear that um, some of the theological perspective of the people in the community was far more conservative than the church that they had been a part of. And it was clear that this church was politically involved, but um, Sue came to realize that probably every source of political engagement they were involved in, Sue was on the opposite side (laughs) of it, trying to engage. And so Sue was like, what in the heck, Jasmine? How? Are you part of this church? It's like it stands against everything that we ever knew together. Uh, it's awful. And Sue said, or and Jasmine said to Sue, Look, I know that this church is not like the church where we met. I know that the theology is far more conservative than what I believe in, but you want to know something? These folks love me. They love me, and they show up for me, and it began the moment I walked into the door. They smiled at me when I came in. They offered me coffee. They have shown up for me uh, when I have been sick. They have brought me meals. When I have been in a pinch with childcare, they have babysat for Cameron. They pray for me. They know it is hard to be a single mom, and so they fill in the gaps. And you know what? I tried other churches. I tried more progressive, liberal churches. I went to 10 before I came to this church. And none of them showed up for me like this church has. So I'm here, 
because they're my community and they love me. And I'm haunted by that story because I think that I have and maybe others have thought, well, if we just have the right theology, liberal, progressive theology, then that's going to be enough to build community. But that story reminds me over and over again that community is not built on right theology or political engagement. It's built by people actually showing up and being in the messy business of pouring into each other's lives. I love our core values, bold, inclusive, and relevant. I could riff on them all day long. I love the part of our mission statement that says we want to ignite the city. But I sometimes wonder if we end up creating Jesus-loving, inclusive spots of worship when really our mission statement is a call to create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities. People that hold each other in times of joy and heartache. Now, don't get me wrong, I see a lot of friendships, because I watch you people. I see a lot of friendships that have formed, and friendships are good, and those friendships should continue to form, and they... Um, they, they help us to grow and, and, and to, to be who we are. And I want to keep that. But what I'm talking about, but, but a friendship is sort of like individual. And what I'm talking about is creating a community. So it's less individualistic. Less, um, it, it means that when someone is in pain, we not only are doing about it, um, meeting them in their wilderness because we individually care about them, but because we are part of this bigger thing called the body of Christ. And what that means is we show up for one another. Do you get the difference? Right? In fact, um, this happened a couple of years ago, but uh, somebody was going through a hard time, and folks, different individuals from the community met them, um, and then still that person was like, the church didn't show up for me. And I was like, everybody that showed up was part of the church. But see, they saw it as friendship, which is good, but not like body of Christ stuff. You get the difference? So that story has been haunting me. And... Uh, and I told it to Colin um, McDonald, who has been our church, um, no, what's his title? Ministry Exploration Intern. He, just as an aside, he and Mohit and Lynette and um, somebody else, Patrick, are all up in Minnesota this weekend exploring a possible call to ministry. So isn't that really cool? Um, Anyway, I told it to Colin, and I told him that story, and I said, Colin, I want us to be a community. Like, I want us to show up for people. And at that time, we'd had a baby who was born, and we didn't, we didn't have an active meal ministry, and we didn't give meals to that mother and that baby, and it just, I hated it, right? Because the body of Christ should be taking meals to a new mother, yeah? A new single mother. Um, and so I said, Colin... 
I want to I want to start our meal ministry, our community meal ministry up again. And the Bjorklands are having twins in January, so we need to have it up and running by then. What do you think? And he was like, "Yeah." And since that time, we have had um, several uh, illnesses and hospital visits and um, sur- unexpected surgeries. And that community, uh, that congregational care, that meal ministry has really stepped up. Not only did we care for the Bjorklands when their babies were born and in the NICU for many year, uh, months, but we stepped it up for all the other people too. So y'all, I want to say thank you. Like that's awesome. Raise your hand if you were part of that meal ministry at all. It was like, yeah, yeah. Raise your hand if you thought about it, but you just didn't get around to it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Like that's honest, right? So I want to say, first of all, thank you for that. Um, nobody wants to clap, but I do. Um, we are, we're becoming a community. And some of y'all don't have the spiritual gift of cooking, and that's okay. Uh, people walked their dogs. We had somebody from the congregation that is a massage therapist and came and taught them how to do infant massage. What a beautiful act of community and care, right? We had some people that said, I don't cook, but I know how to go on a Grubhub and get gift cards. All of that is about being part of the body of Christ and caring. Did you just raise your hand like that's what I did? <laughs> um, so thank you all for that. I see it... Um, I see it also in our greeting team, knowing that first-time guests come in and are looking for something, and I see smiles, and I see doors being opened, and I see people showing folks where their restrooms are. Thank you. That's being part of the body of Christ. I see it um, in even the communion servers, What an intimate act. Some people come into this place and haven't taken communion for months or years. And you get to be part of the body of Christ, offering grace and care to them. I see it in the band who I know, I know Enoch, and he has shared his goal is to build up community through singing. And so that is a ministry that is creating and, and forming and shaping the body of Christ. I see it in our small group leaders, Dallas. There's others too, but I just happen to make contact with him. Who are leading and forming folks that have questions, that are going through hard times, and sitting with all of that. Do you see how we're building up and creating the body of Christ? We are the skin of God's love in this world. So I want to say thank you. And if you're not involved, and maybe somehow like you're like, awesome, Brittany, sign me up. Uh, in a few moments, we're going to collect offering. And there's places on the tear-off sheet you can look under community, or you can look under worship, or you can look under outreach. And there's all these categories. Maybe you want to try something new. Maybe you feel called to be the skin, to be part of the body of Christ in this world somehow. So I invite you, oh, oh, and one other way is the Monday Thursday potlucks. Maybe you don't know anybody and you're like, this seems like a good community, but uh, 
How do I meet folks? The Monday Thursday potluck is a really great way to do that. To say, I'm gonna take a chance. Try to meet some people. Try to be part of this body of Christ community that's being created. There's room for you, okay? So go forth today, <sighs> called. Called and shaped to meet people, to be the angels that meet people in their wilderness, even maybe in the midst of your own wilderness, to be the body of Christ in this world. Amen.